Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Are you ready for the Bible? All right. What book are we in? All the adults are Proverbs. What book are we in? Proverbs. All right. Turn to the book of Proverbs. Now, for all of you teens, just want you to know that we are in the middle of a Bible study here that I started a few weeks ago on the book of Proverbs. It's a great, great book, and I'm so glad you guys are here for this part tonight. I'm going to save you a bunch of trouble that, could, that you could run into down the road, all right? And if you'll receive this word tonight, it'll help you to avoid a lot of trouble. This is one of the most, if not the most, practical book in the entire Bible. This, this book is about daily life. I heard, I have a friend that says, uh, a, a proverb a day will keep stupidity away. Yeah, maybe it's true. Well, you ought to try it. We all should try that. And um, so we're right in, the, in Proverbs chapter 6, and I don't have time to go into review. I would love to review some of the things that we've covered, but for the sake of time, we have to move forward. All right? And I want to say thank you to all you thrivers who are going to be helping out with Three Dazzle tomorrow night. That is a massive blessing. Who, who, who are you? Can you raise your hand so we can see you? All right. Thank you very much. There's a guy. You're going? Both of you guys? Hey, and, and did you notice the two guys run the parking lot tonight? Huh? I appreciate it, boys. True servants. All right. Proverbs chapter 6. While you're turning over there, the shipmate, he had sneaked down to the lower deck of the ship and he found the stowed away bottle of rum. And so he helped himself to it. He liked it so much he just kept on helping himself to it until he just became flat out drunk. And he woke up the next morning and he had drank so much he was still a little drunk. Afternoon came around, he finally sobered up and he went over to the ship's log and he saw where the captain had written first mate was drunk today. So he went to the captain. He said, Captain, please, 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 please don't put that on the log. Please, please, please. That's going to that's gonna delay me being a captain for years and years and years. Please don't do that. He said, well, is it true? Knowing full well that it was. He said, yes, it's true, sir. He said, that's the rule. I have to put that in the log. That's the rule. Final say. It's done. You can't talk me out of it. First shipmate, he was so upset. Weeks went by. Today was his turn to write in the log. So he wrote down the ship. On the ship, everything is doing fine. The captain is sober today. Okay. All right. Do I need to slow it down or just move on? Should I just... Yeah, Proverbs. Thank you, Pastor Everett. Yeah. Verse 12. <laughs> Remind me never to tell that joke again, honey. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 12 says, A worthless person. Everybody say, a worthless person. Now, I'm not talking about anybody in this room. We're talking about a worthless person. A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. So he tells us, he describes a worthless person, a wicked person, and then he tells how you know what to look for in a wicked and worthless person. He said they run their mouth. They don't just talk any talk. They 
They talk all the wrong kind of talk. They don't have a, they don't have a shut-off valve. <laughs> they don't have boundaries, you know? You ever been somewhere and you heard somebody cussing, like at a restaurant, you know, a family restaurant, and you hear somebody cussing, it sounds so out of place in there, you know, right? This guy just showed up in the place. The wicked, worthless person just showed up in the place, right? And he's just, <laughs> he don't care who knows it, who hears it, right? He just has perversity spewing out of his mouth. He's never got anything good to say. He's a quick wit for perversion, to turn things around to uh, evil. He's the guy, he's the guy you get nervous talking to when you have somebody else near you. Because you, know, you know what he's capable of, you know? So you're just like, please don't cuss, please, you know? Especially if it's like your mom with you, you know? <laughs> he just puts no guard on his words. I like the way the message reads. We've been going through these two translations, the New King James and the message, and it says, riffraff and rascals talk out of both sides of their mouths. That sounds like Washington, D.C., doesn't it? Yeah, okay. Anyway, th verse 13. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his fingers. Anybody seen that? They wink, they wink at each other. Hmm? Shuffles his feet, points his fingers. It's like a new dance. <laughs> they cross their fingers behind their backs. Is what the, is what the uh, message says. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Mm, everybody say discord. discord. You know what discord is? Well, I can tell you this. It's not good. Discord is division. Any of you guys like doing division in school? No. <laughs> discord is division. It is, it's, it's the process in which somebody drives a wedge between other people. All right? Like, did you hear what she said about you? All right? Sowing discord. Sowing discord. Trying to bring division. He sows discord. Heather and I, we had some really, really good friends years ago. And, uh, I mean, we did, we did everything together. We did everything together. We, we did life together, you know. We hung out and we went to church together. And, uh, but the longer we hung out with this couple, the more that we began to catch on to a pattern in their conversation. And the pattern was always targeted, the conversation was always target, targeted at attacking figures of authority. Like school teachers. School teachers were always wrong. Their children never did wrong and the school teacher was always wrong. Or the principal was always wrong. And so they're always at the school making defense for their children. I did not have parents like that. I don't know where parents like that come from. I don't even, that's so foreign to me. My dad always told me, <laughs> son, I'm on your teacher's side. Just, you need to know that. All right? And I just had to deal with it. And I'm grateful for that. Now, there were times when if something absolutely went bonkers, went south, the teacher did something, you know, then I don't, I don't think we ever, that ever happened. But if it did, I don't remember it because I remember all the other times that he took their side. And so, but they, they would do, they would talk about policemen, you know, 
Not that they were speeding or breaking the law, it was the policeman's fault, right? Or the, the pastor that they had previously had. Always, and I, after a while, I got to talking to Heather. I said, you know, have you noticed this? That every time they have a problem, it's always with somebody that's in authority. There's something not right. There's just something not right about that. And, um, and it, just was, it was just a matter of time. And things just began to unravel. And I mean, before long, we were being talked about. Our, our, they're friends. And even, even, even uh, some of our friends who we knew, they're leaders, leaders in the church. And so I then had to go and, and confront the people that they had spread rumors to, me and Heather both, and we went around town putting out fires that these people were causing. And they're long gone from our lives now, and I'm I have to say I'm not sad about it because they sow discord. And uh, that just doesn't belong in the church. That doesn't belong among Christians. And I don't have time to try to help somebody out with that. <laughs> I just have to say, go on, let somebody else hear your stuff. Because this is the church of the living God. We're brothers and sisters, and we're going to do everything we can to keep the peace. Now, my dad always taught me, if the bridge is burning between you and somebody else, you throw the water as far as you can. But that's all you can do. Right? Why are y'all so quiet on me? There wasn't anybody y'all know you're sitting there wondering who it was. <laughs> but... Do you know why? Because here's the thing. You know why it doesn't bother me that I don't hang out with anymore? Here's why. I don't like losing friends. I, I don't. I hardly ever have. But 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, Paul admonishes Timothy. He says, oh, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning faith. He said, guard yourself. Guard yourself. Guard yourself. Protect. Remember, remember Proverbs 4, 4, 23? Keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life, right? Protect it. Just imagine. Imagine if, how many of you are parents in here? Imagine if you're driving down the highway and you've got all your kids in the car and cars surround you and they start shooting into your car. What are you going to do? You're going to do everything you can to protect your family. You're going to tell them, get down, and you're going to try to get out of that situation. You're going to do everything you can to guard them. This is how you must treat your heart. This is how much you must treat your life. When you're being bombarded by the things of this world and the enemy comes in, you have to keep yourself. You have to guard it. Jesus said the enemy comes to steal the word from you. The moment, so you're having the word come into your life tonight. But when you walk out of those doors, trouble and trials and tribulations, they're going to come to take the word from you. They're going to try to come to take the word. That's what Jesus said. Persecution comes for the word's sake. Yeah. All right? Now, a lot of people are preaching opposite that. They're saying persecution and trouble comes so that he'll help bring you closer to God. No, it's trying to get you away from God. Jesus said it's here to take the word away from you. All right? So you have to protect it. You have to protect the word of God. You have to grab a hold of it and keep it with all of your might. Are you all right? Yeah. Can, can I have a good amen? amen. You have to guard yourself because... Those who are loose with their mouths and are divisive and full of strife, they're looking for allies for their cause. They're looking somebody for somebody who will agree with them. 
And they'll entice you and they'll, they'll, they'll court you and they'll bring you down with them if they can. It's the truth. The message says, their perverse minds are always cooking up something nasty. <laughs> always stirring up trouble. Oh, man. Verse 15, therefore his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he should be broken without remedy. Mm-mm-mm. The message says catastrophe is just around the corner for them, a total smash-up, their lives ruined beyond repair. That's the life of those who sow discord and run their mouths loose. One day it's just all over. Verse 16, these six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. Sounds like a riddle, doesn't it? Is it six or seven? These six things does the Lord hate, yay, Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Now, how many of you know if God hates them, then we should hate them too, right? We don't want to be for what God is against. Are you ready for this? 17, a proud look, a lying tongue. Now, he's not talking about the British there, but <laughs> a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies, or that is someone who lies under oath. And one, here it is again, who sows discord among the brethren. Puts it right in the category of those who are shedding innocent blood. Those who are sowing discord. Bringing division among people. It's in the same category. Wow. Wow. Message says that they're a troublemaker in the family. Some of you might be here today and go, that's my sister. <laughs> All right, ready? Verse 20. My son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Now, we've talked about that in great depth, so we're going to continue to move. Tie them around your neck. I like the way the message says it. Put them around your neck like a scarf. When you roam, they'll lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. That is beautiful to me. That the commands of the Lord, the instructions, the word of the living God is there with you at all stages of your day. When you get up in the morning, he's there. He's there speaking. When you're going throughout your day, when you're roaming about, you're in traffic, you're going to work, you're going to school, He's there. When you lay down, his word protects you, keeps you. Psalm 4.8, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I quote that over my kids every night. Mm-hmm. It's there all the time. It's there to guide you. I have people tell me from time to time, Pastor, I was in a situation this week, and that message that you preached to me Sunday helped me make the right decision. Hmm? Or you've ever heard your parents' voice in that, in that moment, mom and dad's voice coming. Uh, I, hear that, <laughs> I hear that when I'm correcting my children, right? When, when, it's, when we're on and the board's in the hand, you know, and we're in the bedroom, and, 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 as soon, and I'm talking to them, and I hear my dad talking. And I remember when I was that kid and he was me, right? And I hear that instruction 
and I hear that correction, and hear that coming, in, and I'm going, oh, my God, I'm my dad. It's a good thing, though, I guess. He's, is he, did he leave? Yeah. Wherever you walk, they'll guide you, the message says. Whenever you rest, they'll guard you. When you wake up, they'll tell you what's next. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. I like the way the message reads this too. It says, for sound advice is a beacon. Good teaching, you had a good chance to say amen there. Good, <laughs> good teaching is a light, and moral discipline is a life path. For sound doctrine is a beacon, good teaching is a light, and moral discipline is a life path. Now, look at these three things here that we see here. Sound advice, thank you, Pastor Ever. Sound advice, good teaching, and moral discipline. Sound advice, good teaching, and moral discipline. You know, if you focused on these three, three simple things here, you live a good life. Sound advice, Amen. Good teaching and right living. Thank you, guys. Psalm chapter 119 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. A lamp unto my feet. And line to, verse 24, to keep you from the evil woman. Now, I'm not picking on the women in here tonight, all right? She just happens to be the subject matter here because David is teaching Solomon from experience. All right? This can mean a man too, all right? There's, it's not gender specific. To keep you from the evil one, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Yeah. That means she'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. She'll tell you everything you want to hear. To Yesterday or day before, we were out at the edge of the woods, me and Jeremy and Derek and Chase, and we were chopping some wood. And uh, now that was fun, watching Pastor Jeremy swing an axe. I just have to say, that was entertaining. <laughs> Where is he? Is he in here? Oh, <laughs> that's even more fun. <laughs> um, and, and Derek noticed a, um, an ant pile. The last few days we've had some good weather and, you know, the ants just, they built this. this Eric said, look, I mean, Derek said, watch out for the fire ants. So, so then we started playing with them. As guys, we can't help ourselves. So we went over and we're all around the mound. We're kicking dirt and stuff, you know, and just messing with them and uh, sticking a stick and seeing how high they'll climb up on the stick, you know, and, and uh, you know, working hard. And then Derek's going, do you dare me to put my hand down in there? And I said, five seconds. You got to put it in there for five seconds. And I said, no, don't. I mean, he was about to do it. I said, no, don't do it. He said, one second. I said, you probably better not, not to do that. That's, that's not wise. Maybe, you know, that's sound advice. Yeah, good sound, good advice. Thank you. <laughs> well, Derek found this little spider. So he, he pitched that spider over in those ants. And so we got to watching that little spider just, Oh, these ants just attacked it, you know. And this spider, he's, ah, he's, you can see his legs going all over the place. And then he'd, then he'd get up and he'd try to make his way out and those ants would just, rah, just rush him. I mean, it was entertaining. It was extremely entertaining to watch. And, uh, and the ants, they, and then he would, he would, he would shake them off and then he would, 
he would keep going and, he, and the ants would jump on him again. It was just over and over and over. And finally, the little dude made it out. I couldn't believe it. We thought for sure he was, I mean, they even pulled him over on his back at one point, you know, and he's <laughs> minus one leg. He's a seven-legged spider now. But he made it out. He made it out. He made it out. Listen to me. You're going to have the, this, this, this term adulterous and, and seductress can, can, can mean literal, you know, a literal adulterous woman or a man, but it can also mean the system of the world seducing you, pulling you into its ways and its ideals and the way it, it thinks. And, and you have to be like that spider. Because I'm telling you, anybody ever felt bombarded like that before? I mean, as soon as you take a step, it's like, wow, you just come under attack and you feel like you're all alone in your witness for Christ. You feel like you're all alone in, in doing the right thing and continuing to go forward in your faith. No, I mean, and, and everybody else is talking about what, what, what the real world is. And, blah, blah, blah. and so then you have to just keep climbing, keep climbing, and they're coming on you. But you got to keep, you got to stay convinced of the word of God more than you are of their words. You got to be more convinced of his sound advice and his truth more than you are the circumstances that are surrounding you. Can I get a good amen? And pull yourself out of that. Look at verse 25. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. That means after she's done with him, he's worth about a loaf of bread. And, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his, his bosom and his clothes not be burned? What's the answer to that? No. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? What's the answer to that? No. So is he who goes to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Whew, this is strong stuff. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. I have a friend who was in college with another guy, and the other guy was already married and had kids, and he was really struggling financially to go through school as well as have a job and support his family. And so times got so difficult that he found himself at a convenience store stealing food. And uh, the clerk of the store caught him. And... Uh, uh, apprehended him, and the cops showed up, and the man asked him, he said, why in the world did you steal from me? And so he told him his story. He told him, he said, I, I don't have money. I have kids at home. I have a wife. We're just hungry. And that man told him, he said, if that ever happens again, you come in here, and you ask me, and I'll give you whatever you want. Just don't ever steal from me ever again. All right? So we, don't, we don't necessarily have such a, we can be understanding of someone who's starving, and they get food, right? That's one thing if they're trying to survive. But, but, but listen to me. Here's the thing that they don't think about. Yet, verse 31, when he's found, he must restore sevenfold. He, must, he may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. I like the way the message says it. Adultery is a brainless act. Soul-destroying, self-destructive. Expect a bloody nose, a black eye, and a reputation ruined for good. Mm. 
For jealousy detonates rage in a cheated husband, wild for revenge. He won't make allowances. Nothing you say or pay will make it all right. Neither bribes nor reason will satisfy him. It's just bad to worse. Amen? Proverbs 7. We're moving right along. Are you learning something? My son, keep my words. Treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and... What? Keep my commands and live. Keep my commands and live. And my law as the apple of your eye or as the pupil of your eye or can also be translated as the light of your eye. Hmm. Keep my word as the light of your eye. We read that scripture earlier. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a what? Light unto my path. You know, it's better that your eye uh, sees the corner of the coffee table first before your shin does. Right? Amen. So you, have the, you keep the word as the light of your eye. You keep that as it's, it, it guides your path. It lights up your path so that you know exactly where you're going at all times. You don't have to stumble in the darkness. You don't have to fumble and stumble your way through your Christianity, through your walk with God. You really can stay on your feet and continue to move forward. You don't have to sin. You don't have to stumble. You don't have to make dumb decisions. Amen. You don't have to. But the reason people will read the word and not get much out of it is because, well, maybe some of you were raised like I was, that it was used like a hammer to beat you into holiness, right? <laughs> it, was a, it was a book of don't do this and don't do that. Don't do this and don't do that. You'll go to hell and won't that be fun? <laughs> no. I mean, I'm telling you what, it was like, what, what, go to hell? My sister showed up at school one day and she was at kindergarten. She had clear coat fingernail polish. I mean, just clear. And they sent her home. It was a really strict school we went to. Sent her, called my mother, come pick up your daughter. She has the devil's lacquer on her fingernails. I'm not kidding. This is how, wow, you're going to hell for, I mean, anything and everything. Terrible. So I was afraid of the Bible for some time in my life. But that's not what the Bible is, it's a light. The Bible is a guide. The Bible is there to help you. The Bible, it protects you. The Bible corrects you. The Bible connects you. The Bible reflects you. It does. It says it's a mirror. When you look into the Word of God, that's who you really are. That's who you really are. What God says you are, that's what you really are. You have to be convinced of that, right? Do you remember the first time? Can I take this off? This thing is driving me nuts. All right, thank you. How's that? Is that, is that okay? Ooh, I feel like I've had this earring like out of control on this side of my. Anybody here um, ever done a push up? Hmm? Yeah? I'm going to put this mic down because I, I need to demonstrate a little bit for you. But 
How's that? <laughs> you got a phone? All right. That verse, that's what that verse means now. All right. <laughs> All right. Remember, Sonny, when I talked to you about putting a, uh, a Bible app on your phone? How many of you have a Bible app on your phone? Hold it up. If you have a Bible app on your phone already. Now, listen. Do you, do you ever go anywhere without that phone? Yeah, not on purpose. You have it with you all the time, right? So you have the Word of God with you all the time. Right? You've got it with you. You really don't have an excuse. I mean, thanks to technology, you really don't have an excuse. Amen. Write them on the table of your heart. Put the Word on your phone or electronic device, and keep it with you all times. Look at verse 4. Say to wisdom, this is good, you are my sister. Go ahead and get used to that. Say wisdom, you are my sister. Understanding, you are my cousin. My nearest kin. <laughs> I don't know if you get nearer than a sister, brother. You're my nearest kin, so maybe cousin, all right? Wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin. That they, here we go, that they, who's they? Wisdom and understanding. That they may keep you from the immoral woman, or man, or immoral system. From the seductress who flatters with her words. Man, she's a smooth talker. The world is a smooth talker. For at the window of my house, I looked through the, not lettuce, the, the lattice. And saw among the simple. <laughs> I'll keep going on that one. Saw among the simple is just, well, simple. I perceived among the youths. Not any of this youth, but I perceived among these a young man devoid of understanding. <laughs> that means he's simple. He doesn't use his brain. All right? Now, can he have, can he have understanding? I'm not trying to pick on this young man here, on this, but can he have understanding? Do we remember earlier, earlier, earlier that we read, wisdom is crying out in the streets. Crying out in the streets. So he has a chance to have understanding. Passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house. Everybody say, dun, dun, dun. All right. He took the path to her house in the twilight when the vampires come. <laughs> in the twilight, in the evening. Listen to this. I love, I love the way this reads. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Now, I want you to notice the progression here. There is a progression. I don't think anyone who's walking with God one day just says, I'm done. They don't just instantly sever their relationship with God. It is a process. They just begin to slowly turn away through a thought process. Maybe a friend begins to pull them away. A friend begins to pull them away. 
They get in some trouble, and, and they pull them away. Process. In the twilight, he begins to walk the path to her house into the evening. Now, he has a chance to turn around. He has a chance to turn around and go back the right way. Hmm? But he goes into the black, dark night. Hmm. He keeps walking. Verse 10, and there a woman met him with the dress of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So along with wisdom, crying out in the streets, so is this seductress. You know, you're always going to find that wherever you have opportunity to do good, you also have opportunity to do evil. It's present right there. Paul said it like this. I find in a law that evil is present with me. The one who wants to do good, it's with me. Now, I know it, it would be nice if once you won your battle, you overcame something that you were good for the rest of your life. But you're just going to have the opportunity to do evil every day. Where there is courage to be had, there's fear to be had. Where there's life to be had, there's death to be had. Where there's good to live in, there's evil to live in. Where there is a right decision to make, there's a wrong decision to make. Because you are in this world, and there is this being known as the God of this world who is there to blind your eyes and to keep you from making the right decisions. And you have this flesh to contend with. The Bible says that the flesh and spirit are contrary to one another. They don't think alike, they don't talk alike, they don't act alike. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> yeah, it's encouraging because you choose it. God's given you this beautiful thing called free will. You choose. You choose. God offers you life and that more abundantly, but you have to choose it. Amen? That seductress is there or wisdom? Will you say this with me? I choose wisdom. So... Verse 13, so she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face or an arrogant and shameless face. She didn't care what people think. She's shameless about it. She said to him, I have peace offerings with me today. I have paid my vows. Well, she dared to do it. She really dared to do it. She, now she throws a little reference to her relationship with God. Well, pastor... He knows the Bible. I mean, all he wants to do is go have coffee. I mean, I know he's married, but he knows the Bible. <laughs> uh, you aren't supposed to get quiet there. You aren't supposed to be amen. That doesn't apply to me at all. Verse 15. So I, so, I came out to, so I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I, I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen, Okay, whatever that means. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. 
cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. Ah, you wicked whore. <laughs> my husband's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day, which means she knows when he's coming home, which means we won't get caught. But the truth is you will get caught. Like I said before, if the president of the flipping United States got caught, you're going to get caught. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Verse 21, with her enticed, not President Obama, for those of you that weren't around when Bill Clinton was here, that all happened years ago. Okay. Verse 21, with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield with her flattering lips. She seduced him. Hear all this? She just smooth talker. All this happens, with what she's, it all starts with her just talking to him. And he just starts listening. And he entertains it. He's listening. See, why is it that David, what made him so special that he could beat Goliath? Anybody in that army was qualified to beat Goliath. Did you know that? Anybody could have. Because this was the army of God. All right? And if God is for you, any one of them could. Saul, who stood head and shoulders above everybody, if anybody should have done it, the king should have done it. And any of David's elder brothers, he had seven other brothers. I mean, he obviously wasn't much to look at because when Samuel the prophet showed up at their house to anoint the king, he went through all seven of them and said, do you have any more kids? And Jesse's like, David? Hey, he's out in the field watching the sheep. He didn't think enough of him to even qualify to be a king. His own dad. So he says, well, go get him. So he hollers out there at David, and David comes sauntering up to the house, smelling like sheep. And when he walks in, God says, that's him. And Samuel said, him? God said, yeah, isn't he great? So you don't see what I see. You look at the outward appearance, I look at the heart. His heart's bigger than all those boneheads. And David that day was anointed king, all right? So he shows up out there to the battle. He's just doing what his dad told him, delivering pizza to his brothers. He said, bring him bread and cheese. It's got to be something like pizza, right? Shows up out there, and he wants to give a report of the war. David shows up out there, and here's this Goliath come out, this giant come out and say, bring, send me a man that I may fight. I defy the armies of Israel this day. And he sends out this challenge, send me a man. If I defeat him, then you will serve us. And if he defeats me, we'll serve you. And David says, what's going on here? And for 40 days, this had happened. Listen to me, guys. 40 days they had listened. And every day they continued to let him talk. They became more convinced that he was right. Every day that went by. And so they found themselves doing that what Israel's, Israelites did not do. Cowering behind rocks, trees, every time the giant came out. David comes out there and hears him, and then the first time he heard him, he went after him and killed him. And he said, we got to shut this guy up. Huh? He didn't let him talk anymore. Finished him. Listen to me. Your enemy is no match for you. He's not any match. All he has is a mouth. He roams around like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He just sounds like one. 
He's just got a big mouth, and you have to shut him up. And the only way you shut him up is that you speak the word of God, and the enemy will tuck his tail and flee. Yeah. Don't give in. We live in a world where we are constantly being wooed and called and pressured and pulled to go with it. But don't give in. Romans says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm almost through. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as a fool goes to the, the, to the correction of the stocks. I don't have time to get into all that. Till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. It all looked good on the ice. Boy, she could say the right stuff, but man, when he got in the middle of that, it was over. His life was over. Now listen to this. I'm going to finish with the message here the way it reads it. Soon she has him eating out of her hand, bewitched by her honeyed speech. Before you know it, he's trotting behind her like a calf led to the butcher shop, like a stag lured into the ambush and then shot with an arrow, like a bird flying into a net, not knowing that its flying life is over. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.